A quick warning before we get into this one. This episode contains some strong language. From Broadsheet, Australia's go-to culture guide, this is FYI, a podcast about the stories we reckon deserve a closer look. I'm Katja Vaktel. We see a lot of food trends come and go at Broadsheet, and right now it feels like mortadella is having a moment. We're seeing the pink Italian deli meat on menus at some of the best diners in the country, stacked in sandwiches at pop-ups with lines around the block, and it's even on caps and T-shirts, and inspiring furniture design. But that wasn't always the case. This cold cut, gifted to us by Italian migrants, has historically had a bad rap. So how did mortadella go from prosciutto's poor cousin to a restaurant favourite with cult status? And why now? I'm here with Broadsheet's Melbourne editor and Mortadella fanboy, Thomas Telegrammer, to find out. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Katja. So your job is to be on top of everything that's going on in Melbourne. Food and drink, but also fashion, art, theatre. Correct. But food's a big part of that. Yeah, look, I think about food a lot, but there's one food I can't stop thinking about. Mortadella. It's like I couldn't escape it even if I wanted to. And I don't. I'm from a big Italian family, so I'm used to it being everywhere all the time. But now it seems every fancy Italian-ish place I go has it on the menu. So what exactly is mortadella? It's a deli meat. An Italian sausage that's pale pink, spotty, and the size of your head that you cut into super thin, melt-in-your-mouth slices to put in a sandwich or eat on its own or whatever. It's rich, fatty, and usually slightly spiced, but always delicious. And it's made of pork, right? Right. Well, that's been a bone of contention. Some pretty ingrained myths about what it's actually made from have been swirling around for years. They obviously don't bother you because you're eating it by the truckload. I am eating it by the truckload. Are you a fan? I'm going to be honest. I don't love it. If I go into a deli, it's probably the one I would want least out of everything else around it. (laughs) That's so savage. You're such a hater. But I've got 20 minutes to change your mind. This is my mortadella manifesto. Many kids of first-generation migrants have a similar story of having to explain to the kids at school what exactly was in their lunchbox. Some were just curious, others a little less forgiving, like those who had a crack at my second-gen Italian dad in the 70s. Sir, you know, we're probably grade three or four and we're sitting on a bench and everyone's opening up Vegemite sandwiches with the crust cut off and fritz and sauce. That's Devon, for you non-South Australians. Maybe cheese and gherkin. And then there's Big Tony who's unwrapping this two-inch thick piece of bread with this stuff in it. And they're all going, what do you got there, mate? And I'm going, well, it's mortadella. And, of course, they've never heard of that. So it's like, what that looks like, shit. It's just, what are those big pieces of fat in it? And how savage did it get? Well, basically, Thomas, I got so much shit at school for eating that, I had to pop the dollops of fat out so that, you know, I didn't have to listen to all the shit from all the Aussies and, uh, you know, and whoever else was watching me eat my lunch. What's your favourite way to have it now? It's so good when you first open the pack when you've just bought it, just to roll up a couple of slices and, and you know, savour that. And then, of course, you know, 10 or 20 slices with a bit of cheese in the sandwich. Awesome. Yes, the mortadella roll-up. Oh, Plus Yeah. Those are my dad's memories, but I want to take you back to where it all began for me. It was a tiny Italian deli on a quiet corner in Adelaide's East, where I grew up. It was probably one of the first times you'd left the house on your own, and 
you made a beeline for Tina's Deli, which wasn't too far away. It wasn't actually called Tina's Deli, I've since learned. It was called McGill Continental. Tina was just the quintessential Italian woman who presided over the counter so memorably that we ended up calling it by her name. It was a family affair, as most of these kind of delis were, but she definitely ran the show. And the first thing you bought was mortadella. You came home with a big (laughs) smile on your face and breadcrumbs all over the top of your T-shirt. I'm not going to lie, not a lot has changed since then. But given it was such a big part of my mortadella journey, I tracked Tina down some 20 years later with a little help from my dad's contacts. Also, Adelaide's pretty small. Tina, I have so many memories of bursting through those plastic strips at the deli, so thanks so much for chatting to me. Okay, I hope I can help you. I remember you as a little boy, and I remember your grandparents very well, and your dad. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the rest of the clientele. Like, what kinds of people would come through the door? We had a mixture, but, you know, mainly the Italian community, yeah. Back in the time when I bought the deli, you know, I was surprised to find that most Italians preferred mortadella over prosciutto. Really? Why do you reckon that was? Most Italians in those days used to make their own prosciuttos anyway, so they always thought that the one you bought wasn't as good as the one they made. Classic. And as far as the non-Italians that came in, how would you explain it to them? Sort of slowly they would ask about it and we'd let them try it, and a lot of them did buy it. Yeah. Did they have any idea what it was? No. Okay. What about the Italians? Well, they used to joke about it all the time. They used to say, oh, you know, fatto di cavallo, carne di cavallo. And what does that mean? Horses meat, made from horses meat. Of course, but they still bought it, right? Yeah, they loved it. They loved it. I get it. So what brands of mortadella were you stocking back in the day? Well, we had two brands. One was Bistogna and one was Bistocchi. And in our shop, Bistocchi was the most popular. It wasn't as strong flavoured as the Bistogna, but it depended on what people's different tastes were. Both very nice. For some, mortadella is just a blip in their primary school lunchbox. But it's so much more than that. Mortadella has become so revered that not only is it served at top restaurants, it's emblazoned on caps, t-shirts and prints. That's right, there's a whole cottage industry devoted to mortadella merch. There's a spot called Mortadelli on Victoria's surf coast and a design company called Mortadello Terrazzo. And you can even buy DIY kits to make the sausage at home. This once slandered small good has become part of the zeitgeist. But then there are those who have always loved it. They've dedicated their whole lives to it. Decades on from the Tina's Deli days, her top supplier, Batoki, is still making the stuff. And there's a whopping factory right here in Melbourne. In a busy industrial pocket of Thomastown, about half an hour north of the city, the factory sprawls across 10 hectares. It's like the Willy Wonka factory, but meatier. This is one of the country's biggest small goods manufacturers, started by Italian migrant Modesto Batocchi in the 50s. He opened a network of butcher shops across Melbourne before settling out here in Thomastown. Here's Batocchi's marketing and merch manager, Tony Rapone, and master butcher, Eddie Toppy. I'm going to assume you guys eat a lot of mortadella. What's your favourite way to have it? <laughs> On its own, but uh, oh, there's many ways. I probably prefer it in a toasty. Yeah, toasty, or I, I love it in lasagna. But you've never had mortadella until you've tried to pop straight out the oven. You know the cubes of fat that's in it, you couldn't see because it was pretty much melting through it. Let me tell you, after half an hour of eating pretty much half a kilo of mortadella hot, <laughs> you, you don't feel too good. You've been doing this for 40 years now, Eddie. Have you seen interest rise since you started? 
really big during the 70s and 80s. It phased out a little bit through the 90s and early 2000s, and now it's come back a lot with um, a lot of the charcuterie boards and things like that. And you can now find it in some of the biggest supermarkets in Australia. It's a far cry from the deli days. And that's where the growth has been. So every Woolworths deli in Australia is obliged to stock our mortadella. And as far as what it's made from, no one's too worried about there being anything suspect in there then. It's all pork. So we'll find no donkeys in Thomastown. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of donkeys around, but not the four-legged ones. <laughs> On that note, we're leaving the big Bataki operation in the outer north in search of the small batch stuff in the inner north. Because I still don't really know how the sausage is made, or, if I'm honest, what exactly the sausage actually is. I'm going to Troy Wheeler, co-owner of Top Melbourne Butcher Meatsmith, for some answers. Mate, welcome. I feel like a lot of people love mortadella, but they don't really have any idea what it is. So what is it? A super finely minced pork sausage. It's the king of the sausages. It's, uh, you know, that really big, round, delicious, buttery, cold cut that, uh, that goes perfect with everything. When you ask any butcher how they make mortadella, they'll tell you it's all about emulsification, which sounds terrifying. So I got Troy to break it down. Emulsification is when you process the meat so you put it through like a bowl cutter or a food processor and you blend it until it gets to a really fine paste so it's like this really sticky fine paste like a little farce or a mousse or something and so when it's cooked from that stage it goes really fluffy in texture how similar is it to sort of the devon's chicken loaves fritzes of the world so there is a technique that they refer to in Germany and it's called a brat. So a brat is that business's specialty mix. So it's base mix of something. So if you think about Devon and Mortadella or Strasbourg, they're almost the same mix, but some have been taken further through an emulsification and, and minced even finer. And then others have, have been left in that coarser texture so I think once you've got that fundamental brat sorted out, you can make all of these different types of sausages. So that reputation it's got for being a bad quality small good isn't quite right? Well, yeah, that's right. I think there's a stigma around mortadella and it being like a cheap and nasty byproduct and meat. And in my, in my opinion, I don't think it is. I think if treated with care and respect, and made with skill, I think it's just as delicious as a lot of other small goods and charcuterie that you can get. If we're talking like flavour, texture, mouthfeel, how do you like describe the difference between like a that good and quote unquote bad? Well, I think like that really hard, dense mouthfeel of that one that potentially isn't as good as something that's light and fluffy and like buttery in your mouth, like coats your mouth with fat and like leaves you salivating for a little bit more because it's like perfectly seasoned and delicious. Okay, I'm salivating. How much of this stuff are you actually selling? We make approximately 150 to 200 kilos of mortadella a week. That's a lot of mortadella. It's pretty versatile. Probably last year, more restaurants were using mortadella than ever before. This goes way beyond Melbourne. The mortadella renaissance is nationwide. 
And now we're heading to Sydney to talk to a man arguably at the forefront of it all, Luke Powell of pioneering deli and restaurant LP's Quality Meats. The name says it all. He's one of the city's biggest names in butchery. Pretty much everyone I've spoken to about this topic has mentioned you in some capacity. Okay. What do you make of people putting? <laughs> what do you make of people putting you? You know, as this some sort of face of this boom. Have you, have you seen? Have you seen that pink mortadella guy, the chef and the? <laughs> He's talking about Instagram sensation, the king of mortadella, an Italian butcher who was apparently given that title by British actress Helen Mirren. His chef's whites are actually pink with white spots. His torso, essentially one big hunk of mortadella. And when I slid into his DMs, this is the voice message I got. Hello, Thomas. I am the king of mortadella. (laughs) Iconic. On Instagram, he's pictured cradling slabs of mortadella in situations where you wouldn't expect someone to be cradling slabs of mortadella. In bed, in a cave, and alongside photoshopped clones of himself in a recreation of The Last Supper. I'm trying, but the spoken word can't do this guy justice. Look him up. Back to Luke. He opened LP's, the restaurant, in 2014 with a small in-house charcuterie program. But it wasn't until a couple years later that he took a punt on mortadella. Was it chaos in those early days? It was just very messy. Like, I'm just, I'm just thinking about people with moose all up their arms. <laughs> but before long, some of Sydney's top restaurants, including Icebergs and the now-closed Acme, wanted a piece of his not-so-common smoked mortadella. So Luke went ham on the wholesale side of things, closing half the restaurant and turning it into a meat processing plant. The cold cut that started it all? Mortadella. Here's why Luke reckons it's had such a resurgence in the past couple of years. People were just looking at eating a lot higher quality and I guess going back to probably the original roots of how the products were initially made. And, you know, in Italy, mortadella is like a super revered product and it doesn't have that sort of bad connotations with it that, that we probably think about here when we start talking about Devon and stuff like that. What are some of those body parts that people have historically <laughs> said go into it? Do you, do you want me to say, oh, lips and assholes and everything? I mean, I'm, I'm probably speaking out loud and probably someone's going to come after me with a pitchfork. But I feel like the Australianized version got a bad rap because I just feel like you can pretty much emulsify any meat into a mortadella product. But hopefully now there's, there's obviously a few people who are taking a bit more care and a bit more pride with it and making it you know, a bit more artisan product. Yeah, small producers starting to make it using good pork and free-range pigs and taking a bit more love when they're, when they're making it. Do you reckon that's part of a greater trend towards small batch? A lot of people are now looking for smaller artisan producers. You know, it's almost like people focusing on doing one thing and doing it really well and making it to the best they can. What's your favourite way to have it? on a pizza with uh, field latte and parmesan and green olives. Just the heat of the pizza warming up the mortadella, it becomes very uh, luxurious. I need a slice. I just got to say, there's a lot of respect that there is a whole mortadella podcast happening. That's Jackie Challoner, executive chef of Nomad, a big player in Sydney for its contemporary takes on classic Mediterranean food, including mortadella. It's everywhere now. My dad likes to call it Fancy Devon and jokes about it on the regular, about the frequency at which it's popping up on menus and has become like a mainstream item. And how does your dad feel about Fancy Devon being on all these fancy menus? Dad secretly loves it. He's a big fan of it. It is peasant food. 
and making something out of really low cost ingredients and turning something into amazing, very delicious, tasty things out of, you know, not a lot is something that I think is such a really beautiful feature of that type of cuisine. So out of lips and assholes, here we are. And where we are is a big moment for this small good. But why? If you ask the butchers and chefs I spoke to, it all comes down to nostalgia. It reminds us of being a kid, of smashing soft white bread sandwiches, of running around the schoolyard. Whether it was mortadella or Devon or chicken loaf or whatever, a lot of us have those memories. I think nostalgia is what drives and shapes a lot of what most chefs put on their menus. If there's a memory or a story or there's genuine love behind it, then I think that is what makes such a huge difference in a finished product. So many kids have a tie to that growing up. How cool is it to turn around and see epic chefs making something that once was just really shitty ingredients turn into something really made super well with great quality ingredients. It's been a solid 20 years since that first unchaperoned trip to Tina's Deli. Whooshing down the hill on my bike, then struggling back up it with a couple hundred grams of mortadella in a bag dangling from the handlebars. But I had one last question left for Tina. Hey, did you know you could pay nearly 20 bucks for a handful of slices in a restaurant right now? Are you joking? Well, when we first, when we first bought our shop, it was, I think, five ninety five a kilo. Would you pay 20 bucks for a little plate of it? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Well, I have you, Thomas. Of course I have. <laughs> okay. Well, you must love it. I really do. And now, everyone else is getting around it too. This episode of FYI was written and reported by Thomas Telegrammer. The show is produced by Carla Arnold, executive produced by Ellen Fraser, and hosted by me, Kachavaktul. Martin Peralta mixed the episode and, along with Alexander Gao, composed our theme music. Additional engineering by Derek Myers at Castaway Studios. Design by the company you keep. Editorial direction by Ellen Fraser and Kachavaktul. Special thanks to Carmela and Luigi Telegrammer, fact-checking assistants from Julia Archer. And also thanks to everyone at Broadsheet who helped make the show happen. To hear more FYI, subscribe in your favourite podcast player. You'll find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and where all good podcasts are found. If you like the show, leave us a rating. If you want to get in touch, you can reach us at podcast at broadsheet.com.au. FYI is by Broadsheet, Australia's go-to culture guide. For more fascinating slices of culture in your city, head to broadsheet.com.au.